It's been a while. It's like it's like riding a bike. No, no, we're keeping it. We're keeping it. We're riding this bike. We're riding this bike right down the hill. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the um, really the reimagining of the Corn Tigers podcast. Um, we only reimagine things after we've taken a hiatus and, and really reflected on what it is to be a podcaster. But welcome to this 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 episode that I picked. And I'm not apologizing, not yet. I'll, I'll wait for some discussion to happen first. I'm joined, as always, by Ty Roberts. Ty, how are you doing? Ty, multipass. Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, Craig Laporte, did you bring your multipass as well? I actually don't have one. I'm undocumented. Ooh, that's not good. You have your vaccine good. multipass? <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, this is, uh, you know, a bit of a hiatus here, and that was for a couple different reasons. Craig, uh, congratulations on getting out of rehab. We, uh, we really wish you well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you I didn't hear that coming. The, uh, the, the blisters have started to heal, and oh, I, can take off the, I can take off the belt next week. <laughs> Excellent. When does the cone come off? That's what I want to know. <laughs> no one ever heals as the family's discipline. <laughs> the look on your son's face. No. Um... <laughs> I, thought the door, I thought the door was locked. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, I moved. I moved, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm standing in front of a pile of boxes, which those of you watching the live stream will note. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to get back to this topic that I think we picked about a year ago. Well, wait a minute. Today. Wait a minute. Just don't. Sorry. What? You moved, which was a reason we were delayed. But I always want to make sure I get credit for being one of our nation's heroes when I when I was asked to educate my son for a few weeks. Yes, um, the, teacher, the teachers are the real heroes, and Ty right. has they been are. a stand-in teacher for about a month which, now. Yeah. yeah, on and off, an on and off hero. Yeah. And, now, uh, and does does like Tracy genuflect when when you walk by? Is that? Like, are you that status? She just walks you, around you, the breast because she feels inferior. And uh, nah, that's why, why you can't blame her. But things are getting <laughs> back to normal. Um, well, they're getting back. Not in Ontario. They just announced today, uh, June 2nd, that we're not opening schools until September because. Uh, yeah. For those of uh, no- our listeners in abroad, Dan and Craig are living in the last you place. Say broad. You can't say broad. <laughs> Then Craig mm. live in the last place on earth that's going to be uh, free of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> California is going to be free and easy before Ontario. Ontario yeah, it for is. Some reason. It is. <laughs> Ontario, it's yours to discover unless you live here. <laughs> yeah, and then you got yeah, I saw home. a great. I saw a great skit. Uh, anyone in Ontario who's listening on a walk, uh, they're not driving to work, but on a walk that they had to call and book in increments of 30 minutes. There's a, a walk booking hotline in Ontario that you have to call before you can leave your house. <laughs> we had uh, camping booked for this upcoming weekend, and we just found out yesterday for sure that it is 100% canceled. So uh, that fancy new RV that we've bought is uh, going to be in the driveway for about two months before we get to test her out uh, proper for the first time. Yeah, because well, even that, you I guess, is too close to other people doesn't that wouldn't you couldn't you guys all self-quarantine within the camper oh 100 well yeah like if you just fit a mask on the air intake and output oh uh, that's a neat idea my understanding is there may be bats in the forest and if we eat them we could just start this whole shit (laughs) no no, that's that's a no 
if you converted the camper into a lab, that's how it would actually get out. <laughs> this is pure speculation at this point. Speculation. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish you luck on your gain of function research in your camper. Uh, so, we, if, if you guys aren't clear on what the topic is and what the hell we're doing here, you know, this is Corn Tigers Podcast. We talk about the things we want to talk about. This episode, I suggested we talk about uh, really one of I I think this movie holds a very special place in a lot of people's hearts. And maybe that's not a happy special place for some of you out there, you you sick people. But uh, the fifth element is I've always really liked this movie because... Because of Mila Jovovich nipples, right? Her nipples. I I apologize. I apologize for Craig's crude behavior. Clearly, rehab has not (laughs) helped him much. Um, (laughs) Should we get into a why I picked it? I feel like uh, a why I picked it, Ty. Yeah, uh, sure. But before I hit it, um, can I guess? It was... I don't... See, I know Dan better than Craig, and I don't think it was the nips. I think... I thought it was... (laughs) I thought it was the dirty feet. The dirty feet. <laughs> What's wrong with both you people? Mm. Why, Why I picked it. So as I mentioned, this is a movie that the, the fifth element is is the kind of movie where it's polarizing. I, I feel like it's polarizing, but I think that people that have a heart really kind of appreciate it on a few different levels because I think it's equal parts fun, exciting, and silly, and, and wild. Like, it's just all these great things and as long as you're in the mood to have a good time, I think it's a terrific science fiction movie. Maybe there's some issues with it. Maybe it's like extra silly in some ways, but God damn it. I mean, I think we're in a world where that's all right. So I- I've just always liked this movie. I've seen it a number of times. And, you know, I made a comment on the uh, the Instagram post today that I've kind of gone on a journey with this movie recently. And I, I think I've watched it. Social media, step, up, step on the social media update, Dan. I was, that was our only... Social media post that was going to read your we'll comment. We'll come back to it. We'll come back. To, okay. <laughs> do we do we do mashup segments? Is that you want to do that? No, you're good. You're good. Okay. No, it it kind of bums me out the way that we did this because I announced it and then like the in the last episode and then I pretty much immediately watched it and then I watched bits and pieces and then I moved and then we've been kind of thinking about it for quite a while and then I watched it again in a half and then I watched half of it again. So it's like. Oh, man, I'm kind of burnt out on the fifth element. But next year, I'm going to be 100% back. It's just a fun movie. Um, Now, Craig, um, I'm going to come to you second on this. Ty, you also enjoy this movie. Oh, I do? I have the impression that you did. (laughs) No, no, no. uh, I'm definitely pro fifth element. It's um, There's some parts of it I... Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not a fa- big fan of, but overall, I I like watching it. I've seen it several times. If it's, yeah. um, I'm gl- I'm kind of glad you you picked it for, just for the sake of it's kind of become a movie that I would I would always leave it on if I channel surfed into it by mistake. Yeah, but I would never seek out the opportunity to go watch it. And so I've seen over the years maybe the second half of it or this. You know what I mean? I haven't really sat down and watched it from beginning to end and. Um, We've talked, we've talked in the past about how, for me, um, world building is kind of the important part of it as yeah. first, and then I can get interested in the story. That's one thing that this I love about this movie is the world that they create is a really cool environment. And I kind of actually, one of my big hits on it is I kind of think I, I wish I saw more of it than I did. Mm. Uh, I don't like that um, a big chunk of this movie is on that yacht. 
Yeah. Um, I wish that was somewhere else. But yeah, that's kind of my feeling. I love I, I I do love it. I think it's a great movie. It's a it's a bit like a coked out glitzy version of the uh, the the one we saw in Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's kind of like um, if you took the Blade Runner world and kind of comic bookified it a little more. Yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like to me. Yeah. Absolutely. I think a, a big thing that they did well in this movie, sorry to jump in, Dan, but I assume I'm next, unless we have another special guest. Um, I was going to go oh to the man, soundboard really next. really exciting. Yeah, you, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it ties into what Ty is saying about Blade Runner, is that they build a world, but they don't overdo it. They don't yeah. tell you everything about everything. Uh, because in a real world, there would kind of be too much. They don't have to paint the full picture. Now, that said, that is a strength to me in this movie in world building, but also a weakness in some other areas where they needed to flush things out better and they didn't. Like like Ty said, this movie checks a lot of boxes. It's, it's sci-fi. It's the loosest, thin love story I've ever seen someone pay to make. Like, I... For the amount that that impacts the plot, there's absolutely a razor thin, uh, probably three lines in the script about this love story. Uh, It's a chase movie. It's the race against time movie. It's a sci-fi. It's got comic relief. That is the only thing I don't like about this movie is Chris Tucker. Uh, But he was like of the time. We like to use that phrase, I think, on this stage, uh, on this this, uh, sorry podcast, where it was that stage in his career. uh, And that was peak Chris Tucker uh, kind of moving into an impression of Chris Tucker uh, and people ate it up. So I get why he was cashing that check, but I really enjoy this movie for what you're saying. This is a, a popcorn movie. And if you like all of those individual things, if you kind of like, if you like sci-fi, it's got that aspect to it. If you like uh, a comedy, uh, Bruce Willis's character is a, Corbin Dallas, obviously extremely funny throughout. Um, and even, uh, the the forced on you comic relief of Chris Tucker, you get to see him one up him a bunch, yeah. and so you can still feel good about that. There's so much about this movie that I do enjoy. Uh, I've always liked this movie, and I really like Mila Jovovich. So uh, here we are. Well, I mean, this uh, Mila Jovovich, you can't ignore her because she's got about six bandages on her for most of the movie, um, which is a weird choice for clothing, but. It's it is so you know uh, Ty you brought up the point that it's it's like it's a comic book version a little bit and there were definite comic influences with this movie as I look at the Wikipedia site but it's 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 obvious you know you once I think it was um, Robert Rodriguez who's directed a bunch of different stuff including Sin City Desperado Once Upon a Time in Mexico he's directed a lot of stuff and and there was enough of it that was influenced specifically by comic books that. Once I started to understand the way that they frame these sort of images and the way they're they're choosing the colors for the characters and the scenes and the the, the vanishing lines that are like wait goes like infinity down the the cityscape. It's like yes, this belongs in a comic book in a lot of different ways, including the completely over the top performances of a couple people like Chris Tucker. You know, like and he's taken a lot of shit over that role. I really like it because it's so absurd. That's just that's this movie in a nutshell. And it really feels like uh, I'm not such an artsy guy that I could say, oh, this is clearly a French film. But this is not like an English (laughs) as a first language person that made this film. You know what I mean? This is not a North American film. To speak to that, the only I did get that feeling that watching it this time, I'm missing something like there's just a there's some kind of flavor to this movie i'm not understanding like it's it's just there's uh, an eccentricity about it i didn't quite get 
And then it all seemed to come together when I read later that, oh, okay, yeah, this is, a, this is actually a French <laughs> film. Yeah. Um, yep. And so it's, 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 it, it just answers all those questions you had in your head at, in the back of your mind about it right out of the gate. It's funny because Mila, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for her. I like her. She's a very likable person. And if you've ever seen interviews with her, she's very likable. But she always picks these, like her husband uh, directed, I think, almost all, if not all, the Resident Evil movies. So it's, it's just them two being in a couple and they're just terrible. But, but it's still, <laughs> the, she makes them semi-watchable, at least for the first time, even yeah. though they're terrible and ridiculous. It's funny because she was uh, romantically connected with the director and creator of this movie. Oh, was yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> So she likes, She's a likable she gal. She likes to sit in the director's chair, and it doesn't uh, have I guess. to be vacant for her to do that. <laughs> she likes to sit in the director's lap, and that's that was my motivation for downloading the movie that she was in most recently, which is that Monster Hunter movie. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time a Mila movie that I couldn't do it. I actually I turned it off after twenty minutes. I'm like, nope, I'm out. This is so bad that sh- she can't even save it. So. Uh, <laughs> And the other thing I, I watching back to the because um, you were talking about t- Chris Tucker getting shit for this role a little bit. I guess they led him into the costume he, he eventually wore in this by starting off with a higher bar. Oh. The, ro- the director walked in with a totally ridiculous costume. Hold on. And he brought it down <laughs> to the level that you saw in the film by basically negotiating with him. He, he, he used the art of the deal. Uh, <laughs> is that what he used yeah, the art, I think the book was out um, <laughs> was it translated he came in really really crazy and uh, they, they, you can find it in, in behind the scenes material where Chris talks about it he goes no I said no, hell uh-uh, I ain't wearing that I'm gonna, I can't go back to wherever he's from if I wear that And uh, so they talked him down to the leopard print uh, which I thought was a funny little uh thing they you know it sounds like chris tucker didn't know what he was getting into until he was there unfortunately (laughs) this was uh chris tucker i looked into it has a surprisingly small amount of movie credits i really thought he was in more uh, that's not where i thought you were going to take that because he was so big around this time this was his uh well this uh, his follow-up i I, I think to friday he might okay, have done one thing in between. Friday is his legendary role, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't think oh, I'm speaking okay. out of turn to say that uh, with Ice Cube, um, where he is a toned-down version of this character in a, obviously an urban environment, not oh. not a space radio DJ. Like he, so he's being typecast. I do, I, well, I, <laughs> I do think he appropriately pumps up uh, his ridiculousness for what the role is. I'm just not necessarily a fan. So I, don't, I know Dan says he catches some shit for it and he really enjoys it. Yeah. Um, I'm just not a fan of that shtick. To me, it's not a Chris Tucker thing. It's just that role thing. I get that to me, he was the perfect guy to be that guy and I can't picture another guy or how to do that better without just eliminating that role. Well, he, he wasn't the first guy that... Yeah, he wasn't the first guy that was selected for the role, though. And I think the role was actually done with uh, Prince in mind. Like, because you think of a hypersexual individual, like, audio phonic sort of guy. And so, obviously, it's Prince, right? But I think there was Prince. There was one other dude. And I think they ended up with Chris Tucker. But I, I think he did a great job. Yeah. Uh, Ty, you had something to say there? It, that It made me uncomfortable the first time I watched it. I wasn't. I, I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed, uh, you know, I wasn't the right uh, age and mindset to see something like that and not well, be, fair uh, enough. 
Well, um, but- so he is hypersexual, right? So if you're like a 12 year old kid watching this with your family, because in general, aside from a little bit of like alien gore, it's it's like a pretty friendly film, right? But then then you've got this hypersexual character that's that's going down on a stewardess on on the on the flight over to the. Uh, it's like, oh, hey, now what? What's this? <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. the only part I think. Like, if you picture this same character with Prince, Prince is never agreeing to. I'm going to be the guy crying yes. and bumbling on the floor. Prince is going to pick up the weapon and waste everybody until yeah. you know Bruce Willis. Hey, stand aside. I got this. Prince is not agreeing to anything. <laughs> anything. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Except, would you like some pancakes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to, man, we, we guys, we grazed against about 14 different topics that I want to just at least mention something on. But uh, let's move on to our s- official social media update. Social, social media, media update. update. Gentlemen, we don't have a message direct from Giselle, but we have a sign of Ooh. life. Maybe she's being okay. held captive. I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, I did post <laughs> on our on our socials. That's uh, the Corn Tigers on Instagram, uh, our only social, I guess, uh, that we were recording today. And we got a like from one Giselle. I was going to say her full name. I don't know if that really matters at this point. And yeah, we got a like. But then I mentioned her in a comment because I thought it'd be funny to be like, hey, you got any questions for tonight's show? And she uh, hasn't replied as of right now. I'll check my phone. Oh, so really, this is potentially a canary situation. Come on, Giselle. (laughs) No, nothing. Nothing. Now the birds uh, we did chirping. have a comment you have on our phone number? post. Go on. Uh, Who was, commented? It was uh, Instagram uh, handle Dan Talks Training. I Google it. It's just some loser who talks about L&D. Um, <laughs> what a douche. I've gone through a real emotional journey with this movie. Looking forward to making a breakthrough to Nike. I don't know what to Nike is, but there's uh, some sort of spelling. To Nike. Some sort of spelling. <clears throat> a training guy who can't spell. Well, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. You don't want that. Hey, those that can't spell, train. That's I think that's how it works. I, would, I wouldn't put him in charge of anything. Uh, but back to our host, Dan. What do you got for us okay. next? Wow. Hey, well, that, thank you for the update there. Uh, sorry to all the Instagram users that may have taken offense there. Um, okay. Well, I have a poem. Do we, uh, do we want to do a poem? Bassan is an incredible guy with a serious directorial eye and it takes some balls to make the fifth element. It's an understatement to say it's absurd the flip of a coin could have made it a turd. With 20 years of planning you could say old Luke was hell-bent. After spending more money than he'd ever seen you'd have to guess that he was pretty keen on putting out a film that was A1 certified fresh. If this was gonna work, he'd have to pull out the stops, practical effects, and super chill cops, with classic Bruce Willis wearing a shirt made of bright orange mesh. Clothes made of bandages are pretty weird, but Lilu Dallas is not to be feared. She's the most perfect being, even after her restoration. Then there's Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg, who's one bolt away from a villain cyborg, chewing up scenery with much consternation. It was Gary Oldman working for a meal as a futuristic Ron Popeil. Some of these folks were just in it for the money. They couldn't see old Luke's vision, but Luke always knew it was a personal mission. He didn't care if the critics thought the whole affair seemed funny. 
Well, I, for one, will not be mean. It is one of the greatest films that I've seen with the stones and the clothes and Lilu speaking in tongues. With all of the news that's going on, I'd like to thank old Luke Besson for giving us a little bit of mindless fun. Beautiful. That's my poem. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, You're a big fan of the Gary Oldman, I'm just remembering now. I'm a massive fan of Gary Oldman. I, uh, and and um, he was called out as by Luke as one of the top five actors of our time. Um, I don't disagree. And and there's actually, have you guys seen Leon or The Professional? Have you seen that movie? No. So it's got Jean Reno, who is French, if you can imagine this, uh, as, a, uh, as a hitman that takes in a 10-year-old Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. And it's not Natalie Portman playing a 10-year-old. She's actually 10 years old in the, in the film. Anyways, uh, it's, it's, an, it's an awesome film. Shout out film. to Bill Gates. <laughs> what? <laughs> Shout out to Bill Gates. <laughs> All right, I'm on board. Um, the... Um, uh, so it, it, it's it's a great film. Gary Oldman's in that, and I don't know if if Gary Oldman. So that's also uh, done by Luke Besson. It's a it's a Besson film, but um, I don't know if that was before or after. I think that was after, and I think after. I think Luke Besson made this movie so he could make that movie. You know, I think uh, he he was excited to do both of them. But uh, the professional is great. Gary Oldman, just real quick. Gary Oldman is just incredible in that movie as well because he plays a completely coked out detective that just crushes it. He's the unsung hero of a lot of movies. He's so good. Gary Oldman? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yeah I loved him in that whole Batman series. Yep. He was right, that's a perfect that. example, obviously, of him. It, it, some people might consider like the background character, but just doing a good mm-hmm. job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that movie, that series of movies with him in it, there's a great lead up over the three films where Batman, as he's about to take off in his little airplane and presumably commit suicide by taking the bomb out to the ocean or whatever. And he spoiler alerts. He lets Gary Oldman know that he was the little boy that he put the coat on when his parents died. And uh, Gary Oldman's reaction is just so good. Like he could see him realize right in the moment and just, and he ends that whole film because it's, it's basically Gary Oldman at the end sorting out the aftermath of the situation. And uh, again, it's not a character you, you're not there to see him, but uh, but he does such a great job all the time. My first Gary Oldman exposure was him as Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK. Oh. He was phenomenal. Wow. Uh, the um, I was going to say Martin Scorsese. That's not right. Um, Oliver Stone's JFK film. Uh, very long, controversial, not accurate, but very entertaining. And uh, him as Lee Harvey Oswald was phenomenal. The other thing uh, that jumps out to me for Gary Oldman, where he was just phenomenal every time, and it was another uh, franchise, was him as Sirius Black in the Harry Potter films. Oh, great character! Yeah, exactly. I, see, well, I they, didn't even know he was in Harry Potter. They did yeah, a good job movies, in Harry but... Potter of getting like really good. Not so Gary Oldman is, I would call him an A list uh, A list actor. They didn't get the flashiest actors, like even the guy that plays Hagrid, yeah. Robbie Coltrane. Like just mm. fucking dynamite. Uh, so they mm. got these awesome, awesome actors to do stuff. And they're and I think that's one of those things that somehow Britain has churned out these these seemingly very average looking people that just 
actually have a craft as opposed to, you know, America that's crafted these gorgeous people that are basically fucking puppets. You know, it's 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 different approaches. Next, you're going to tell me Gary Oldman was one of the orcs in Lord of the Rings. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, I think he was. If you're listening, I think you're very handsome, regardless of what Dan just said. Oh, hey, now, come on. He, of course, he's handsome. (laughs) Normal. Uh, You know what? uh, So he was, and and this this may have come up in in a poem that we've heard recently. Uh, Gary Oldman, not a huge fan of this film, uh, because that's not surprising. He's not. He he did this film for a paycheck, basically. He did such a good job. I, like well, I, I've Oldman. never seen a better phone-in job than what I saw out of him <laughs> with that southern accent. It's such a weird character, and he's mm-hmm. so unlikable. It is, and he, yeah. he does a good job. I'm surprised yeah. he would shit on it. He um and and in in the uh, in the notes that I was kind of looking at, he never actually shares screen time with any of the big player characters on this. There's That's only one. With only one scene where um, uh, Cornelius and Lilu and uh, Dallas are all waiting to get on an elevator to get off of the yacht. They get in the elevator. Oldman comes out of the elevator. And that's the only time that they're even close. That is one of my favorite things about this movie is that the man who is – the thing is there's two main uh, antagonists on this, right? There's the big ball of evil that's going to come down and destroy uh, humanity. But – the because that just kind of is sitting there waiting we're given gary oldman's character who's trying to make that happen yeah uh, and for them to have the discipline to not ever put these two guys in a hallway to have a face off yeah and still resolve this in such a satisfying way like that's incredible to me i i had seen this movie about five times before i read that uh probably doing research for this sometime three or four years ago and i read that <laughs> and uh i was blown away it's like oh my god like that, I, yeah. I can't think of another instance where that happens where your protagonist and your antagonist don't have they just don't that, meet that moment yeah they yeah. never do and it still yeah. works so well you know we've gotten i think we're we're about a half an hour into this thing and we haven't just in case you haven't seen the fifth element maybe a brief synopsis uh, and I don't have a book of Dan prepared, but ultimately it's in the 23rd century and we are in a futuristic earth where everything's kind of bonkers, which we've already talked about. But there is a giant, as Craig mentioned, there's a giant blob that's come towards earth. I think it's earth, right? They're on earth. It is earth. Well, hang on. Is it earth or are they on like a space station? No, it is <laughs> No, no, no. Evil comes to earth every 5,000 years to try okay. to end humanity when these planets align evil will come and yeah. a weapon has been developed to stop it it involves the four stones and the fifth element is the perfect being uh, obviously the, the character of uh, lilu is the fifth element in human form um the story you know kind of starts where we learn the backstory in the past and we get a, a a nice guest appearance by a young Luke Perry during peak nine oh two one oh days. This is the best mm-hmm. he could do. Uh, less than you know forty words. Probably cashed a nice paycheck for it. Um, and these aliens come and say, you know, the bad guys are coming. Uh, and these good guys, who are some of my favorite good guy alien characters I've ever seen, because they are completely useless. They're goofy. Uh, Very yeah, goofy. Yeah, these big guys. Uh, what are they called again? The the Mondeshwan Monda. 
Mendosians is how they pronounce it. Yeah, sorry, I've, I've read it too many times and not not heard it enough. At um, the time when this came out, they reminded me of an alien um, that was on a not a very popular show called Babylon 5, which is actually not a show that I liked. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't really get into it. I've watched a few episodes, but the, the only the, the reason I kept trying to like it and what I like about these aliens is they don't look like your typical uh, sci-fi alien. They, yeah. they actually mm-hmm. tried a little bit, you know, to, to mess with the proportions enough where it was goofy looking. Mm-hmm. And I always love that because to my mind, every alien you ever encounter should look radically different, ideally, to the point where you, you don't even understand so, right? what you're looking at, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, I think that, but th- there has to be like a balance of servicing you got to make it relatable almost sometimes. So it's a really difficult situation to be in where when you're playing with sci-fi, where you got to make something relatable, but also alien looking. Mm-hmm. And I think these guys, this alien is a really cool example of that where they got tiny little heads and helmets that you don't even get to see and big hulking bodies and a um, sh- lot of shoulder action. And in fact, their head's not <laughs> even above their shoulders. It's kind of down into their chest. And it's a really neat, it gets you into it right away, I think, because it, it's something you haven't really seen too much of before. Yeah. I love that they're covered in body armor too, as though they're going yeah. to be in some massive battle and <laughs> they would just slowly be beaten to death while wearing their armor because they can't ah, it's, a, it's a space suit. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But um, so, can, I, can I also mention... Because you're talking about Earth and the relative location of the the, the bad, the big bad guy to to Earth at the beginning, Th- this frustrates me, but in a good way. Like I, uh, it's one of those things where I'm not being told what explicitly what's happening, but I'm so curious about it that I kind of appreciate it because it looks like this thing uh, when you first see it is next to Jupiter, and if if they weren't trying to make that look like Jupiter, um, I don't know what the hell they were doing because that's Jupiter. But this thing is sitting at Jupiter initially, okay? And this and is like the, the the evil orb thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That planet, I mean, if it's got to be Jupiter. It's supposed to be Jupiter. Or they just used art and hoped that no one would notice. And so this thing is sitting at Jupiter, and they're sending spaceships out to meet it. Presumably, everyone is back on Earth interacting with everybody who's uh, interacting with the bad guy at Jupiter. And so you kind of think everything's self-contained in the solar system at the beginning of this. And then halfway through the movie, they're like, all right, we're going to go to a, a, a hotel, they call it. Want to floss Turns it. out to be a giant cruise ship in, uh, in space. So, and it's orbiting a planet that does not exist in the solar system. It's this water planet way the hell out of God knows where. <laughs> so it's funny how they introduce ideas like, you know, you don't get a good feeling. You don't get a good handle on wh- what are the limitations of this universe. Like, where are we? How, where can we go? Like, it's yeah. it. You don't. You know, and you you get different ideas about what those answers are at different points in the movie. So I find that interesting. I, I kind of that kind of trickling out of a little information is kind of neat to me. It's funny because um, you you are much more dialed in on sci-fi, I think, than any any of the. Uh, me and Dan, uh, you've watched a lot more, um, but I didn't get that at all from the intro where it was somehow limited to our solar system. Uh, I always assumed it was a, a much broader uh, thing just based on this, you know, this massive ship they're on and uh, it's a distant ship being communicated to by the president ship. Uh, RIP Tiny Lister. Tiny Lister.
Oh yeah. That's the president guy's dad. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I like. Also on Friday. It's funny because his job, his acting in this is all over the place. At some yeah. points, I thought it was really good. At other points, I'm like, that, that could have been maybe reshot a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was this was the most uh, this was the most expensive film ever made in Europe at its time. Wow, kind of inside yeah. of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep, and I'm sure they got a few bucks from McDonald's for occasional product placement. But do you think um, so? Well, it's possible. I wouldn't rule well, that. I don't. It it seemed that was a really, really, really weird. And I meant to look that up. I'm sorry I didn't. But I kind of wanted the answer to that when I saw it because it was just it was just far enough outside of the normal McDonald's <laughs> where it might not be. I well, wasn't sure if it was a sponsored McDonald's or if it was parody of McDonald's. Because <laughs> it just the, had the um, M. It didn't say McDonald's anywhere. Oh, I think it did. I, th- I think it was McDonald's. And I think, um, well, th- one of the biggest questions that I have is when they, I think it was cops that ran into the side of like a, uh, uh, a hauler, uh, uh, like a tanker ship and out it spilled a bunch of prepackaged like Big Macs. That really made me wonder how they package Big Macs and ship Big Macs as a whole, <laughs> as opposed to cook them to order. You know what I mean? I don't know. You're right. I guess it was. It, even though it doesn't say McDonald's, it, the M is everywhere, and it says, oh, and it I'm says sure McDonald's is in the Fifth Element. So the only thing I read about that uh, after a quick Google was that it was one of the only things that was taken out. They were digitally edited out every single set of Golden Arches. The one time that this aired on uh, national network TV. Uh, it was one of the only things they edited out, obviously, besides some of the cursing and uh, the nudity. Uh, they manually wow. removed every single set of Golden Arches from the film. This is what I don't get is why would McDonald's be okay as a sponsor to let McDonald's be trade as Hooters in the future? That's <laughs> what it was. I mean, yeah, every man. everyone who works at McDonald's in the future has got a red wow. wig on and has got their breasts pushed up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of fears of the future here in this movie. <laughs> McDonald's took them out. They moved in um, on their territory. Well, I mean, even the uh, the stewardess had, uh, you know, a little sexier than I'd expect outfits as <laughs> not well. Your, yeah, not sure. This is not a uh, Spirit Airlines flight, that's for sure. Okay, so do we have any official... Sorry, we never did finish our brief synopsis here. We just trailed off. Continue um, to synopsize. <laughs> synopsize. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, there's a, a clan of priests who are responsible for maintaining the stones on Earth. And when this, uh, sorry, the Mandosians, is how you say it? When the Mandosians uh, return with the fifth elements, uh, when called upon every 5,000 years because these planets have aligned, this perfect we- weapon will be assembled and it will repel evil if not evil pew, will. Pew. they say even though it's just earth they always do this in every movie it will eliminate life everywhere forever um because it's just us we're the only people out there except for the aliens i guess but yeah it's a weird one and so yeah and so the aliens are coming and that is our where our story picks up all right so 10 minutes later we finish our synopsis excellent i love the cadence here <laughs> 
Can um, I mention something that happens at the end? It's my favorite thing about the, about the film. Let's jump to it. We talked about the plot. Well, hang on. Should, should we? Should Yeah, no, whatever. Let's just jump around. Yeah. At the time I watched it back in the day and today, the coolest thing about this movie to me, in the from a sci-fi perspective especially, is the retcon of the origin of the moon. Of the moon? Yes. I love this idea. And at the time, it was the coolest thing I ever saw. It got past me. It got past oh, the, uh, the sensor in a, Sorry, yeah, this results in a second moon orbiting right, Earth. So right. your so assumption the, was that's where the first one came from. Okay, I didn't exactly. do that, but that makes sense, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was, okay. I, I remember that happening, and I went, that is cool. The moon <laughs> was always this thing just from a previous encounter that – is now we just take for granted is orbiting around us all the time. And now we've got another one and we could presumably get, keep getting accumulating them. It's just going to get rough in about 40. Yeah, exactly. Years. It could become its own problem later. <laughs> you know what? I totally missed that. And, oh, that was, and they even put the moon in the foreground and the thing right there. And they look so similar. I thought it was, Holy I thought geez. that was obvious. I hope I'm not uh, telling the tale out of school there. No, no, no. I hope I'm that's just, what he I'm meant. Just simple. You know, in, in, in the <laughs> same way that, in the same way that you were more dialed into the the way they kind of introduced it, and you kind of assumed that it was within the solar system. I think when I watch movies, there's a lot of stuff like I really suspend disbelief, and I'm just like, I'm going to put everything over here and just see where we go. So I kind of, I don't think I pay attention to uh, to quite as much. I do get kind of persnickety about uh, flaws and logic within the movie uh and like well that doesn't make sense because of what they said before but um i feel like i'm very forgiving of these giant like environmental or or solar uh, solar system based sort of things i don't know that's weird I, it's, that's really cool though I, I hadn't even considered that i thought that was the coolest sort of twist uh to the ending like mm-hmm. I just thought that was awesome. I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. oh shit, that's what that was. <laughs> that's awesome. That's super yeah, you cool. never look at the moon the same way again. Uh, uh, Craig, in your in your synopsis there, you had mentioned the uh, the priests. The priests play a big piece in this, and we have Cornelius, who is played by Ian Holm, who is um, I think popularly known as Bilbo from both uh, part <laughs> of. Uh, part of Lord of the well, Lord oh of the Rings. Oh my God! You just blew my mind. You didn't I, know that was Bilbo. <laughs> no, I didn't put it together. I recognized his face. I didn't. I didn't know where yep. from. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, wife and I just watched all those too over the last year. Well, he was in a catch up. I'm gonna hijack with a recognizable face too. That's a Quarren Tigers callback. Brian James plays General Monroe, but he also played Leon Kowalski in Blade Runner, one of <gasps> yes, our replicants. Yeah. yeah John, and, I also learned that John Kowalski is the Polish equivalent to John Smith. Moving on. Oh, is it? (laughs) Google it. There was, uh, so, well, let's just stick to the cast for a second there. So we've already mentioned Mila Jovovich. We've mentioned uh, Chris Tucker, Luke Perry, who, um, yeah, he's there for the first three minutes and then he's not. Uh, Who else did we have? Now, there is a couple characters. Okay. When I watch this, every time I had watched this and, and recently, uh, when I had watched this, I got, of course, more into the particular details. But in the scene where Ruby Rod and 
Corbin Dallas kind of walk out into the opera house of the yacht and they he kind of uh, Ruby Rod calls out a couple specific socialite type characters and says, oh, there's baby Ray. Blah, blah, blah. And then there's this guy over here. You know, I always find those characters really interesting because they try to make them like really weird and like or maybe maybe just interesting. And it's like, well, they're a really, really like built individual. Um, and it turns out one of the uh, one of them, not Baby Ray, the other one was uh, Ron Von Baron. I think his name is. He was uh, Mr. Universe a couple times. So like, and, and this that happened. I think four years after the movie, he was he looks like a Brock Lesnar sort of character, where just Ooh. this monstrous hulking guy kind of leaning over and looking smug at uh, at Ruby Rod, but. Um, yeah, there's a couple of really interesting uh, characters in there. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of like, I don't want to say B actors because I don't know if that's fair. But uh, uh, any any other major actors that you guys saw that you were like, ooh. I have one playing yes. almost the exact same character that I know him as, at least partially, was uh, an actor by the name of Lee Evans yeah. playing Fog. Yep. who was the head of security at Fulston as the the frail little, oh, oh no, you go ahead and handle it. Oh, we're sending in the negotiator. Uh, mm-hmm. He plays essentially that same character as the doctor on There's Something About Mary, who is really the stoned pizza man uh, who's just trying to get in Mary's pants. It's literally the exact same character, but working at security in space. Uh, oh, instead man. of uh, as a fake architect um, mm. who's really a pizza man. No, you, you got, got all the connections this episode. Great Good research. <laughs> now, there's there's one thing that I, I wanted to talk about um, or, or, or bring up. And, and, and Craig, you had mentioned the priests, and I've already come back to the idea that there are priests in there. And one thing that I've always thought was lacking in almost all of science fiction is any semblance of religion. I, I, I almost never see it. And I can only think of one instance recently, and maybe this will come up on a mini episode that we talk about a little bit later, but in watching the Orville, the Seth McFarlane, Star Trek next generation type show, mm. um, there is a couple different uh, alien races that seem to have, or species, maybe they're species that seem to have uh, a, a religious influence. And you almost never see that in sci-fi. It's like, as soon as we get to sci-fi, it's just biology and technology. And that's all it is. And there's no mystical left to it. Maybe there's magic, maybe there's fantasy, but there's no like, uh, uh, there's a word for it. I'm going to stick with mystical though. Uh, and, mysticism? and there is mysticism. Mysti- Sorry, no, I was trying to track you there. I didn't know where you're going. No, um, no, no. Um, are you liking that show? Metaphysical. Yeah, we've watched. Um, we've watched all of the Orville that was available on Disney Plus, and but yeah. we did like it. Yeah, there's. It gets weird, you know. But it's the Orville's on Disney so. Plus. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. Yeah, there's Portland. three seasons. There's two or three seasons on Disney Plus. Oh, I had no idea. Do you have yeah. to have the uh, AMC I think it's a great in Canada or whatever it is? The no, no, no. Nice. Um, I agree with you, Dan. And and I think that that will tie back to, if you think of, uh, I I mean, I have what I feel is a very basic but good understanding of the different popular religions of the of our world of humans, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term, because I was hoping you could read from the Torah. 
Are you going to read from the Torah for us for a little I've bit? I've got it pulled up here. Let me... Um, okay. <laughs> no, uh, okay. no Torah readings, but all right. they all, all of, all of uh, current man-made religions only speak of man in human form and animals as they exist on earth. So someone would have to come up with something whole cloth that would include the concept of life that exists on other planets and is not made in the image of God. In the image of God, uh, man was made in the image of God exists in almost every single uh, man-made religion that is uh, of any sort of, you know, huge following at this point. And it really throws that out the window. And I think the, the, the general popular opinion of it is when you get into science right now, we're very much, I'm not, say anything crazy here in a point where a lot of people put science and religion at odds rather than trying to have them complement each other. And if we're, we're, I think we're further off now than maybe we were in 97, but that is a huge task to come up with something. Uh, and, and I think when you talk about this movie in particular, like I mentioned in the first thing I said on, on this episode was they, they build enough world that you can watch it without giving you enough to nitpick yeah. Um, but I am fascinated by that concept. I have never necessarily thought yeah. of that until you've brought it up right now. It would be amazing to think of what would a religion look like that includes the the concept of life elsewhere in the world, that yeah. elsewhere in the, the universe that we have nothing to do with at this point. How Hold do on, you I got L. Ron Hubbard on the phone. Oh, man, that's true. Although I did say popular. <laughs> It did say popular. Hey, so that's it is not, popular. It's just everyone keeps it under wraps. No, it's not. Uh, a, lot it's people, not popular. a lot of folks the, up there. The entry gate's a little too pricey. I think one of my <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> there was, um, I, I want to go back to something you had mentioned uh, kind of when you got into that little diatribe there. Greg, about uh, religions, uh, earth, let's just say earthly religions using like the image of man or, or, or uh, man in the image of God or something like that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So the Orville, one of the, the alien species, actually has that same sort of attitude with like, let's say, so uh, humans on earth, at least in Christianity, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Uh, humans have domain over earth and animals are, are come under their domain. Right. So this alien religion in the Orville, uh, kind of takes that same approach where that species is the kind of the, the human analogy there and everything else is just under their domain. So when they interact with the, the alien species that are part of the, uh, the, the Orville and the kind of the, 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 the federated union of whatever that they have there, they just assume that they're just like cows and squirrels and shit. And they're like, well, you are just animals to us. So, so that, that's kind of the approach that they take there. Yeah. But, um, I, I imagine, you know, L. Ron Hubbard might have a thing or two to say about uh, the overlap of science and uh, religion. Maybe we should watch well, his, I, No, I don't think he's doing At the least. best job he could he could possibly do in that endeavor. But uh, a shout out Orville, though. I, I haven't. Uh, I watched them all when they came out, and uh, that is a good show, in my opinion. I think. I'm yeah, no, it's pretty good. Whenever they come up, it's pretty good. Where do we go from here, gentlemen? Uh, there was a couple. Maybe let's go with things that made us uncomfortable. It was what were things in this movie that made you a titch uncomfortable? Because there's always things. Um, I did not like um, anything <laughs> regarding the space opera singer character. Strange. That is yeah. the worst part of the movie to me. The plot 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Diva. Yep. Yeah. The diva. I, I a don't understand why they would utilize her in any way to, for, to do, you do know this. Why? Just, it's because it was Luke Besson's wife at the time until he banged <laughs> Mia Jovovich. <laughs> okay. That's number one. Number two, <laughs> the costume and makeup job on that character is the worst of any of them in the film. Uh, it's got seams and crap all over it. You could tell it's supposed to transition skin into more fake skin where there's these appendages hanging out and they all look fake. Like yep. it, it, it looks like it looks like something they didn't screen test before they actually put on yeah. the thing. And then she's supposed to be this mystical sort of, and then the music she sings is terrible. Um, and I love the fucking little shuffle she does like, because she's on yeah, stilts, like, like, like it starts like off as boots and the, on the fingers. maybe traditional <laughs> opera. And then it transitions into this 90s techno nonsense with dance moves, yeah. which which don't she can barely move in that thick in that stupid costume yeah. she's got on. So they the dance moves she they make her do is basically just arm waving. And uh, it's the chicken dance, I think, is what she was doing. The 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 stones are inside her, which is supposed to be this riddle he figures out, but she's while well, she's dying on the ground. She, she, says she can't the just stones are inside me. Because she's, yeah, she's a mystical character, so she can't uh, actually talk uh, literally to anyone. She has to, <laughs> she has to dance around what she's trying to tell you. She um, can't say, "Help me, I'm dying." She has to say, "The end may be near for me." Yeah, and she's and she's sitting, she's laying on the ground. There's no one else around. There's no him. point in there's no point in being mysterious, and she has to tell Corbin that the stones are actually in her body. Rather than saying, "Hey, they're, they're in my stomach," you just rip them out. Yeah, she has to be, pop those bitches out. <laughs> she has to be yeah, real special about it. She has to go. They're in my. They're my the essence is in me, or like some bullshit. My esophagus. <laughs> and so on he has to spend. DVD, on my DVD, there was an outtake where he crams his hand right up her ass and tries to get the stones. <laughs> and it was really weird for a but couple then, minutes. Like, uh, like because she has to dance around it. He has this is annoying scene where Corbin has to. Like uses detective skills for, to, on the floor <laughs> to figure out what she meant. He for like twenty seconds he goes inside, and then he goes you know oh, maybe. I, I, and then now he has to face the reality of what if this is not the right move? While he puts his hand <laughs> in her body, yeah, yeah. like in a, in a hole that someone just put in her. He sticks his hand up there and goes, "Oh, thank God, they're they are in here." And he grabs these rocks out that I'm no joke are the size of ninety cell phones, each one of them, and four of them are in there. <laughs> And to be fair, Ty, you said she couldn't dance because of her costume, but she was seriously blocked oh, up with those stones. It's in the there. stones. It's the stones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you walk? You know, I had that same thought. Like, okay, so Bruce, Bruce, or Corbin Dallas, he's he's sitting there and he's thinking the stones are inside me. The stones are. Fuck. You know what? I gotta stick my hand in her stomach. That's the obvious choice here. I need to stick my. Would have been way easier for everybody if she stomach. would just tell him that. Yeah, there and just point like everything's yeah. working. Like she could have just used her go. finger. With and one just of her right up here. This is where they are. Instead of making it into some fucking stupid here, like we're not time for this bitch. Here so much, we're getting shot at right here. We're getting I shot at love, right now. Yeah. You I can, do love that you guys have taken the scene and made him take a minute to consider. Like, hey, I might mm -hmm. be wrong here. Mm. Oh, but still, yeah. But despite well, that fact, this was his dead. first move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, love that. Right. I love that flowchart of again. It's it's unclear. You have to see the scene, but 
they are under fire at this moment. They're being shot yes. at while this is all happening. And, and she's given, just crying on the floor. Yeah. She's taking the long way around of explaining where the, the stones are while they're being shot at. It's so, it's so dumb. Like, all he I, needed that's to what, do was gently press his hand on her tummy. That's all he needed. There's a time like, yeah, for that's a stone. That's a stone. Oh. Yeah. There's a time for this bullshit fake mysticism crap in sci-fi. This was not one of those times. This was it was time to just get the work done and get out. <laughs> so I, don't you know, know. I on, thought that character the, um, was dumb. Well, I mean, you may be right. And and like I said, that was Luke's uh Luke's wife at the time. Uh of course, over the course of the film, he developed a relationship with Mia Jovovich, who can blame him. And then his relationship with his wife, who's got a strange name, uh, Mawan. Ma- I don't know. It's 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 got like a wow, Mila. In it. I'm starting to think "likable" is not the right word for her. <laughs> going going back to the uh, the opera song that she sings. So it's not actually her, of course, that sings it. She's a model slash actor. Craig, did you see the same note somewhere uh, that she lip sunk uh, by practicing it? three times a day or something for so many days. Is that where you're going? No, I wasn't. I was going to go to the actual opera singer that sang that song. So the, so the song was actually sung by an opera singer, but when the opera singer reviewed the song that she was supposed to sing, she says, no, this is not physically possible to sing this song because it's like, it's like all over. It's, it's basically a keyboard. It's using a keyboard to do the vocal piece of it. Right. And that, that seems to be how it was written. Uh, so she had to record it a couple different ways, and then they sliced it up to uh, to make it sound like that. I was going to say, did they map her different? Uh, did they map map her voice to a keyboard and then just play it? <laughs> I've heard it of would that. make more sense because that's how it yeah. sounds, right? It sounds right. like somebody just plinking away on a Casio. Right. Yeah. That's okay. She's an alien. She's allowed to have like that's more right. vocal capability. Inhuman vocal. Yeah, yeah. yeah they actually right. had the the lady who recorded it do like alternate notes. Like ones in a similar scale, record those as one okay. track, and then they just serve together afterward. I did read that as well. Oh, uh, I okay. do want to. I didn't read that. I, yeah, I do want to double back because we've mentioned that this lady was his wife, and that he got in with Mila Jovovich during this as well. Uh, when you say in with Mila Jovovich, do you mean they got married? He married Mila Jovovich. Mila Jovovich and Luke Besson were married. Luke Besson, uh, his uh, marriage history, according to Wikipedia. Luke Besson also married a 16-year-old who he started dating when oh she was God. 15 and he was 31. What is with these this fucking guy Frenchmen? Has, this guy has <laughs> a history. Yeah, let's just, just drag the French now. She was pregnant <laughs> with his daughter. He was 31. Pregnant with his daughter when she was 16. Listen, no. And, uh, and that it, th- their claim is that this inspired uh, the film Leon where the plot involves an emotional relationship between an adult oh, man and a 12-year-old God girl. damn it, Craig. Don't you ruin Leon. But I like Fucking. this direction the podcast is taking. We should hit spicier topics. Uh, so he married, <laughs> well, that's how you get clicks. So he was 38, <laughs> and then he married 21-year-old Mila Jovovich in 1997. That makes a lot more sense. Jesus more Christ. Sense. So well, that, listen, was an old, that was an old lady for him, but it didn't last. I was talking about Mila being likable. Now I'm a little bit... She mar- She had an affair with a dude whose wife was on the set. On the That's- set. Wow, that takes balls. <laughs> wow. Well, she couldn't chase him down. She had so stones wait a minute. in her stomach. How-, how long were they married? 
Not that long, I presume. They divorced or was in this... 1999, so they were married for oh, two okay, years. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then Mila moved on to the director of the Resident Evil of franchise. Whatever her current movie was, yes. She she could Yikes. she could tell a franchise director when she sees one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Resident Evil wouldn't be where I uh, hitched my I wouldn't hitch my wagon to that star, but that's her choice. There you go. Um, my God, see how spicy that got. Oh, that's yeah. that's spicy. big. This is big for the podcast. In fact, spicy. we need to tie in the social media into the spiciness. Okay. Um, like tag me in it. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. See, this is how we got to We need to really sit down and have some social media meetings. <laughs> Discuss <laughs> uh, our uh, strats. Craig, so we already heard uh, something that Ty uh, felt made him uncomfortable. Was there anything in this film that made you uncomfortable? Probably the, I would think, you know, just the thing with the diva. Um, mm. I never understood, I, th- I think this is almost exactly Ty's point to a T, uh, the character in general felt very shoehorned and it didn't make logical sense to me. Like she came out and she sang one song and it was a big mm. deal, but yeah. you're going to this resort and like, Maybe it's like Celine this, coming out in Vegas. Yeah, like she this does a show every night. star, and she came out and sang, and it was going to be a very big deal. But she was there for the mission to yeah. be the person who transferred the stones. But how did she get the stones from the... It also well, seems like a precarious and stupid place to hide the stones in the first place on a ship <laughs> over you know, water. It's inconvenient at best. Yeah. Like that's a dangerous place to put the savior of humanity or all, all, all life in the galaxy. Pick someone a little less conspicuous. Yeah. Yeah. Like the blue yeah. chick on stage. No, I like it. I think it works for me. I mean, hiding in plain sight and all that, you know, you're not looking right there because you don't expect oh, everybody it. Was looking right there. Well, they sure were. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. But <laughs> I, I feel like I've always liked the idea of, um, although although I don't like the idea of fate, I like the idea of things kind of falling into place over a long period of time. And when you're looking at a 5,000-year game, which is kind of what this cycle seems to be like, I think that mm. I, I like the idea of, of there being, you know, an actual there, – there are consequences and there are costs of saving – all life in the galaxy and that happens to be this this angelic sort of uh squid character that the idea is is okay the idea of yeah the the as far as a writing point Mm -hmm. in in a writing in a contained space of just writing this script that's it's okay it's i like the idea as well as moving this to a character and it, it gives it introduces somebody, but they didn't do it as far as its application in the movie itself. They botched it. Like yeah. she's not interesting. They don't flesh her out. Oh, she's how annoyed. They flesh her out. Well, they, they give her some exactly. Lines? Well, this is exactly like there's a lot of <laughs> shit French. that happened on that cruise ship. Like maybe cut out the scene <laughs> of Ron of Chris Tucker eating out a stewardess tomato, and tomato. use some of that time. How about the sexual assaults <laughs> for upsetting things in the movie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, Craig, you, I kind of wanted to avoid assaults. that. Craig, I don't want to censor any homophobic stuff out of you again. Oh, well. <laughs> I prefer you don't. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody was. A, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you, Ty, Ty, you need to bleep that.
We can't All have right. that. Okay, I, I don't no want that. Not on a. You need to bleep that again. There's I made it like a puzzle for people to tie back over like 17 episodes. <laughs> yeah. They'll be able to figure it out eventually. All right. One so of you our guys top didn't... episodes, Kenny versus Benny. One of our top episodes. All right. So we've heard from both of these gentlemen as far as what makes them uncomfortable. Um, and I get gummy worms can be challenging. But the thing in this movie that made me just like there was one scene where I was like, that's I don't I'm not working with this. And it was it was a Bruce Willis scene where he was in his teeny tiny futuristic apartment and he's talking on the phone to his dispatcher whose name is Finger. Does this does this sound familiar to you guys This dispatcher? So he talks to this. this, 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 Yeah, that's right. Um, Now, now, just an interesting note about Finger. That is actually the uncredited voice of Vin Diesel. That is oh. that is on the other end of that phone line. Yeah. Um, but he's talking about that fair. You know, you get that one big fair that just fell into your lap. And so his finger says, like, how, how, how big, man? Like, oof, like, tell me about this fair, this sexy fair you got. And and then Bruce Willis gets into this really weird, like 15 year old girl talking on the bed, talking on the phone while you're laying on the bed mode. And he's like, oh, I just I think I love it's 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 just such an awkward scene because 40 year old balding Bruce Willis turns into a 15 year old girl talking about his new crush. And it's it's just it's a really, really weird scene. A girl who he has spent about four minutes with at this point. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Under, you know, strange circumstances. She destroyed his cab. She got arrested. She was wearing bandages. Who knows? Who knows? You don't know what she's got going on. So anyways, I just thought that was a super, super weird scene. Um, all right. That being said, I'd, I'd like to big shout out to Gemma. Listen, wh- big okay, shout wait out. Wait a second. Wait a second. What? We have to, we have to empathize with Bruce Willis a little bit more. No. Like, let's not forget this was a supermodel technically that fell into the back of the cab. Yeah, but she, you know just, I mean? she just got regenerated. I mean, she's not looking her best. No, she's not. But, you know, there's a thing about supermodels and we've seen it on red, a lot of runways and a lot of red carpets. They could put on anything and still look like supermodels. I don't know. I just got I, I kind of have an awareness, peripheral awareness. That I've never been in the presence yeah. of a supermodel <clears throat> before. Um, I'll tell you a story. I mean, I've seen I've seen enough shows with Laura Linney in it to kind of get it. You know, oh, like I get it. If, if she, <laughs> yeah. if she, fell you can get that at the Seven Eleven if you try hard enough. Um, <laughs> but do you, you, know. you guys, all, you all have kids. Um, are you on. familiar with the Wiggles? Uh, familiar. You're going to go with Emma Wiggles as a comparison. I am going to go with Emma Wiggles as a comparison because I do cannot I need to quit think this podcast. Of, uh, I took when my son was into this uh, troop. Actually, unfortunately, it was right at the tail end of him being into them. Um, so he was kind of on the fence about going to this, but we took him to, they were in Calgary. We took him uh, years ago and um, my God, that woman, that woman in that, that group. That, okay. She was 15 feet away from me. Mm-hmm. She was stunning. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it was because I saw her on TV before or what, but Is I was she having the only trouble. Female wiggle? Yeah. 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 Jeez. Well, but she's maybe like, it's like a she's she's not good looking. Thing. She's she's up she's up there television good looking, and when you see that in real life, 
it is jarring. Like you're like, oh, I took for granted that you were pretty good looking when you were on TV, but now that you're 15 feet away from me, I'm having trouble even making eye contact with you. That's how. <laughs> that's what level we're talking about here. You Guys, know? I'm gonna so, pull. We we've talked about Giselle and our employment with a certain company uh, plenty of times. I'm gonna reach mm-hmm. deeper into the bag of former coworkers and into the cockles. The, jet, the cockles of coworkers. Uh, I think you can get fired for that. I think somebody did get fired for that. Um, <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> you guys know exactly what I'm talking about right um, So I'm going to uh, A person who I only give initials MG And mm-hmm. that's both you should know what I'm talking about yeah, no, instantly. Once uttered the talking phrase, about women I know I, you didn't even yes, have to say that In the most derogatory <laughs> way possible So here uh-huh. we go uh, He once said uh, When uh, pointing out A particular uh, co-worker's you know, relative attractiveness to me. He said, hey, if you put a dog next to a donkey. And that's what? all he said. <laughs> Could you... Uh, you know, that guy was wiser there's... than we gave him credit for back when we were there, you know? <laughs> I feel like I missed out on learning some things from him back when I could have. Oh. <laughs> uh, the, the initials finally... Thank you. I thought you were talking about a female coworker, and I was like, I don't. No, yeah. And now the quote uh, makes perfect sense too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw the same gentleman at a Detroit Lions game. Years I was there for that. Later, oh yeah, I was there for and, that. Yeah, and I was aware that he had since had a, a lovely young daughter with his then wife, and uh, I didn't have any kids. But uh, oh no, I know I this. Knew that I always knew that kids were something I really wanted, and I've been fortunate enough to have two of my own since then. So I was extremely oh, congratulatory. Yeah, as far as I know. Congratulations. But pending, I guess, is all I can say for sure. <laughs> so I was very congratulatory of this gentleman, and he was just like, oh, fucking kids. He had one three-year-old at the time, and he since has had another. So, I mean, it kind of told me all I needed to know. <laughs> Class act yeah, all the I- way. Uh, yeah, not, to, exactly. not to make this whole podcast about him, but I did feel like he had a thing. He 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 felt like he had to live up to a character that he created. Yes, so I agreed. think he was just trying to be in character there, and he took it a little too far. <laughs> he probably yeah. likes his kids. Trashed his whole family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I might not even go home after this. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think he was a character more than a human being when we met when we were interacting with him. But All right. Know. I think that actually, that note, uh, that brings us home on this whole <coughs> journey about The Fifth Element, directed by Luc Besson. Just an incredible film. I, I think I even edited, say, this is going to be one of the weirdest episodes we've ever <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> you could put that anywhere in the episode. <laughs> it's a drop-in wrap-up. That's what we call it. Here, let's just uh, let's just do one of those Christmas stories from the Christmas episode. Ty, do you still have those queued up? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have three keyboards plugged into my computer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 glad we had the chance to, to talk through this one. Um, and, and there's, you know, it seems like it's <laughs> a huge belch. That's what that was. I tried to cover Is that with it. Yeah. That's what Verner's does to you, man. It's Verner's. It came out of my nose. It's incredible. Effervescent. It's still burning. Yep. 
It does. It's it's the it's the soda that burns. I think that's mm-hmm. the tagline on it, right? Made with yep. real vanilla. It's the soda that burns. Um, all right. So that that brings Verters, us. Verner's presumably... now back in Canada at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did. Did we get an official RIP for this episode? Because there was a couple was just... characters. Yeah. When Ty started that music, I was about to go. Whoa! Hold up. Yep. Yep. I gave an, the official early RIP to Tiny Lister, also yep. known in this movie as President Lindbergh, Tommy Tiny Lister. Uh, we mentioned him. Uh, he was obviously in Friday as well. I know him best as Zeus from the WWF movie No Holds Barred, uh, but passed away, I believe, uh, earlier this year, possibly late last year. Is a recent yeah, RIP. Th- Great body Along with great the director's marriage to the blue chip. Uh, Tiny, uh, Tiny Lister died December 10th, 2020, and he actually shares a uh, a year with Ian Holm, who played Cornelius and also Bilbo Baggins, who died in June of the same year. Uh, maybe a little bit further on his career, but uh, definitely two, uh, two secondary characters that I think added a fair amount in the fifth yes. element. Um, and and I, I stand by it, gentlemen. I, I don't want to be too persnickety about this movie because it's such a fun movie. It's just, it's fun. It's fun and it's silly and it's adventurous and it's funny at times, not all the time, but sometimes it makes you a titch uncomfortable here and there, but man, I'm, I'm glad I'm in a world with it. That's, that's for damn sure. So listen, if you want to watch sci-fi where you're going to digest it and investigate every little thing and get angry about things, go fucking watch star Wars. Like everybody else. Mm -hmm. If you just want to have a good time with some, some very strong comic relief. And like I said, like we've said, a great world and uh, just some good jokes and a good time. This is, this is where it's at. The fifth element. If you're looking for a sweaty quish, Chris Tucker, this this is the film mm-hmm. for you. Yep. Uh, all right. So that brings us to the end of this episode. If you want to reach out to us, the Corn Tigers at gmail.com. You can follow us on the Instas at uh, it's at the Corn Tigers. Is that right? It's just the Corn Tigers. What did I say? Dan, you posted on it today. Yeah, but I don't know what this. No, I just but it, follow it is. It. The Corn Tigers. There's no app on Instagram. There's not. How is there not? How do you tag people? It's not an app symbol. It's just... Okay, we should probably have a meeting. How do I share this Babylon (laughs) B post? How do I share that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Can you help me get into my phone, please? So if you want to reach out to us, do it somehow. You'll figure it out. You're smart. You listen to this podcast, right? Fuck NPR. Um, so send us, Giselle, let us know you're doing all right. My goodness. She's never uh, been a reply, no. We are, we're doing, we're doing something different, uh, folks. We are not telling you what we're doing next. We're going to have a mini episode. We probably should have told you that at the start, so we're not wasting your time. But uh, we're going to have a mini episode, uh, which will drop shortly after this episode, probably between the six minutes and two weeks mark, somewhere in there. And uh, you can find out what the hell we're talking about next. So I'd like to thank my two co-hosts, Ty Roberts, who is also our best boy, Grip. Uh, This episode and all the others are written furiously and produced by Craig Laporte, Ty Roberts, and myself, Dan Hurt. Special thanks, of course, to Kevin McLeod at uh, filmmusic.io for the music that we hear. And Zapsplat is where we, uh, we jack all of our legit 
sound drops and, 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 and things like that. There they are. <clears throat> Just tippity, tip top. <laughs> That's the one, but it was worth the plug. Uh, guys, thank you. Let us know if you think this is worth listening to somehow. Send us a smoke signal. Put a put a put a rating on Apple. Do a thing. Do something that shuts me up. Goodbye. Bye everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you guys. See you guys. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs>